0: Welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines, along with Kevin Watt and Zach Newfeld. We're brought to you by Wenting's Cycle and Mission. Here's your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is Tiger.
1: Your Wenting's Word of the Week, Tiger. Mention that word to Bruce or any staff member the next time you are at Wenting's. Maybe on Wednesday for that Wednesday night spin
0: session that starts at 6, and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week is Tiger. We're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multisport. With the triathlon season over, it's time to start thinking about the
1: season ahead. TriJoy can help. Whether your goal is to improve your run, speed up your swim, or maybe you just need to stay motivated, we offer in person consultations, effective training plans, and regular progress assessments to keep you on track. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multisport. See our link at the bottom of this page. Coming up on this special edition of Fitspeak, it's all mental. First off, Zach Neufeld goes between the ears to stir your soul. He looks at the value of failure in your racing and your training. Is winning a race really success? Is getting your butt kicked really failure? Zach will motivate
0: us to think about that interesting dichotomy. Of course, any athlete will tell you that just getting to the starting line of a race is a sign of success. And making it to the starting line of the Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii is an even bigger success, especially if the Roadmap to Kona included a pit stop in
1: Frankfurt where you stop for a case of food poisoning. Rachel McBride will be our guest.
0: I'm Kevin Hines, along with Zach Neufeld, and this is Between the Ears. I'll look at the spiritual and psychological components of racing and training. Failure. It sounds like it should be a four-letter word, but it isn't. Heck, it isn't even a bad word. Because failure, unlike its sexy sister, success, motivates introspection on a deep level. While it's easy to explain away why things may have turned out great in a training session or a race at some superficial level, failure demands thought and, of course, action. If you don't want to keep failing, that is. After all, you've likely heard that saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But enough with the slogans and sayings. It's time to dig more deeply between the ears. The first thing we must honor in the pursuit of athletic awesomeness is honesty. We have to ask ourselves, was that experience really a failure? Or perhaps more brutally, was that experience really a success? For example, if you happened to win a race, was it really a success or just a fortuitous unfolding of advance? Maybe you just got lucky, your competitor had a cramp, had a sore stomach, got lost on the race course, whatever. So, is that winning truly success? And by the same token, if you show up healthy and well prepared to a race, you execute well, but you simply get beaten by a faster athlete, is that truly failure? To answer that success versus failure question, you have to be genuine and honest in your assessment.
2: Failure pushes us into the unknown, and not knowing what to do introduces chaos into into our lives scary, but it's where the potential for improvement is. If you want to do better, failure can be a great motivator. After all, we're built to focus on our faults so that we can fix them. If you've ever had a paper cut, you know what I'm talking about. You can't stop thinking about it or touching it. So it's normal to focus on your problems, but we want the focus to be productive. Failure can be powerfully motivating for change. For example, When people are diagnosed with diabetes, they often become much more motivated to stop eating candy. If stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, then intelligence is doing something new and exciting to get better results. In mythology, the hero narrative is an existential call to get out there and do new things so that you can learn and grow. It's about confronting the dragons of chaos, so to speak. There's not much difference between the fool and the courageous person who confronts the unknown. As William Blake said, the fool who persists in his folly will become wise. Take Bilbo Baggins for example, the hobbit, an ultimate novice who went on an expedition to steal a dragon's treasure. The story tells us that to get the gold we have to leave the metaphorical comfort of our own homes and conquer the dragon of the unknown so we can get the valuable thing it's keeping from us. If you stay in the Shire and deny that dragons exist, you don't get much richer and those dragons may come to get you. So we're called to have an adventure and make mistakes. By going out into the unknown, we have the opportunity to make order out of chaos and make it known so we can take the treasure and get richer. Failure and uncertainty can make us better. That's the moral of the story. On the flip side, success can be misleading. When doing well, are we really succeeding or do we want to think that we're succeeding? To be honest and tell the truth to yourself about your performance, that's what we need to do. Did I really fail or am I being negative with irrational comparisons? If you don't know the truth about how you did or what you did, you can't figure out how to improve. You'll stay the same. Saving face could ruin your race. So what is there to do about this negative side of succeeding? Well, you kind of have to sacrifice your ego for the moment while you openly communicate with yourself and with others what really happened and what you could do about it when you bear responsibility and take action. So have a little love for the future and pursue what's good for you. It's not about blame, it's about getting better. If things get negative and self-defeating, remember, about comparing yourself to who you were yesterday and not who others are today that's important race your own race pace your own pace and of course try to be better than your competition coming up in our next episode of between the ears we'll examine how two-time Ironman world champion Chris McCormack sowed the seeds of victory from the ashes of failure for between the ears I'm Zach Newfelt.
0: Live from Kona, we have another contender from the Canadian contingent and it is looking pretty amazing this year. Of course, the Canadian fans were thrilled on the tarmac with about four kilometers left in the men's race at the World Championships last year with that fella from Ontario giving us all sorts of thrills. But uh, continuing in the tradition perhaps of Heather Fuhr. And Laurie Bowden from Vancouver, we've got uh, another Canadian contender who's going to rip it up in Kona in a couple of weeks. The Purple Tiger, known as Rachel McBride. Rachel, welcome to FitSpeak. Thanks
3: so much, Kevin. It's great to be here.
0: And thank you so much for taking time off. Um, you've got a busy schedule. You've kind of got a crazy schedule ahead of you for the next uh, 10 days or so, I suspect. Yeah,
3: it's, uh, you know, it's sort of the last week of... Uh... Uh, workouts that are just sort of sharpening you know all the hay's really in the in the barn at this point and it's just sharpening workouts to keep my body um, fit but uh, and ready to go but uh, rele- rested enough to get into the race nice and tapered
0: so for the folks who um, have probably done a few Ironman triathlons but they've never done the the big world championships in Kona Hawaii any special sort of taper that you're doing? Of course, the weather there is a big deal with the heat and the humidity and, of course, the winds. Um, you're there a little bit early. What's your plan to uh, taper and acclimatize to that?
3: Yeah, I um, I was actually just in Tucson the week before um, getting in, getting used to the heat and then, yeah, arrived here about two weeks out from the race. So this taper is really about, like, con- continuing that acclimation to the heat um reacquainting myself with the course a little bit because of course I've been here to train before I've never raced here before but have been to train and so just getting like that more that mental prep of being out there on course yeah the the heat acclimation but to a point like not really going out and cooking myself but still uh yeah getting some of that physical heat acclimation
0: so your first time in Kona a lot of uh, high hopes for you, and along with the rest of your team, who did you seek the counsel of as far as uh, Kona specific race information?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've really, I feel like I've really pulled out all the stops leading into Kona to you know, gather as much information as I can. I have been working this uh, season with Jesse um for on my Nutrition. Uh, and he's a very experienced, um, high performance coach and knows Kona quite well. Um, and so I've been working with him quite a bit on terms of the nutrition for Kona. And, uh, and I've also started working with Lisa Bentley, um, on, for, as a run coach. And she of course is very well versed in this race, having had a couple of podiums here. In and,
0: career. and amazing runs.
3: Incredible runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've really, um, you know, I, I think she's definitely one of the um, most significant people that I've been able to tap into to getting some insight on the Kona course and what it's like to race here as a professional.
0: And a fellow Ontarioan, if that's yeah. how we say that. <laughs> so let's go back to the nutrition now, of course, living in Vancouver and training uh, a fair bit of triathlon training is in Vancouver what have you changed as far as nutrition or what are you anticipating you'll need to kind of change somewhat uh when it comes to racing on the 13th
3: yeah definitely the heat is a a big issue and understanding that I'm going to need to hydrate a lot more um, than I typically do when I'm even just training in Vancouver Um, and so really this week in Kona um, and next week as well all of my training I'm basically like trying to get in about 50% more of fluids than I anticipate taking on race day just to get my stomach acclimated to like actually taking in that much fluid all in one go. So I'm really over hydrating in these couple of weeks, which of course will keep me hydrated the, the, these weeks leading up, but also help train the gut.
0: And of course, we're uh, crossing our fingers for your gut because we understand that you had a, a little bout of food poisoning at one of the races this year
3: my last Ironman that actually qualified me for Kona, <laughs> yeah. that was definitely a, um, a, an experience that I will be tapping into really out on course, knowing that I can race an Ironman with food poisoning and go through the, that experience and how horrible I felt in that race. That was very character building experience to know just how far I can push my body uh, to finish an Ironman
0: And you did it and you qualified and and there you are showing up on the 13th to represent Canada in the pro ranks along with uh, Jen Annett from Penticton.
3: Really exciting to have two Canadians um, in the race. I really respect Jen a lot. She's an incredibly strong racer and we've raced a couple of times uh, over the last 12 months. Really fantastic to have her here as well.
0: Now with your newfound speed in the water... Um, It could be uh, you and Jen leading it off the bike because uh, as you probably know she had a a pretty outstanding bike ride there out in Texas and of course you're one of the fastest female cyclists in triathlon period at the 70.3 and the Ironman. So uh, you might have some Canadian, uh, a Canadian partner there. How, how do you see the day unfolding? Uh, I mean, it is your first and there's going to be a lot of learning regardless, but uh, through your coaching, through your mental preparation, how, how does that look for you right now?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I really anticipate hopefully being in, in sort of that faster chase pack of the swim, coming out of the water, you know, with not too much of a deficit. deficit. And so hopefully being, you know, around the front of the race, coming out of the water. I think it's really, you know, I haven't done this race before and all I've heard is just how hard it is and how much you need to still like save some energy for that last quarter of the bike. And of course that brutal run is now going to be even hotter because of the course change. I think, you know, I think it's going to be about how having a really balanced race Saving some energy and and really playing, putting a lot of work into staying cool during the day,
0: in order to have a really successful and consistent race. Have you had the opportunity to practice running with sponges like Patrick Longa last year, or?
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've had some races where I've been covered in sponges, so you get you get some experience doing that for sure.
0: So, any special nutrition you have for the marathon part of the run, or the marathon part of the course? right? <laughs>
3: You know, I have a, a newish nutrition protocol that I was supposed to test out in Frankfurt, but of course, because of the food poisoning and how I was feeling during yeah. the run, that didn't. I didn't get to practice that at all. I was really just trying to wing it. Yeah, I basically have like a pretty sort of consistent nutrition protocol that uh, is pretty standard, sort of Jesse Kropelnicki QT2 systems uh, intake, and just involves like. Uh, Chews or gels every couple of kilometers and taking in fluids at every aid station and, and of course, water to try and
0: stay cool. Let's talk a little bit about the mental game now. From a psychological perspective, what have you been doing in the past, you know, six to eight weeks to to give you an edge or to kind of reduce some of the fears or the anxieties that, you know, are are part of high-performance sports?
3: In Tacona, I knew that this was going to be one of the most mentally challenging races that I would have to do. Of course, it's an incredibly competitive field. I don't know where in the where in the pack I'm going to be. I'm used to being around the front of the race, and so like if I am possibly down in the middle of the race, um, that's not a super mentally comfortable place for me. And I know that I really need to try and stay as positive as I can. Um, and I know that I am significantly affected mentally by the heat. Um, I've actually enlisted the help of a, a sports psychologist in the past month or so, um, Jason Brooks, who's based out of Winnipeg. He and I have really been working on how to reframe Heat and how to reframe the adversity that I'm going to be uh, experiencing likely out on course. And a lot of that is just about accepting the challenge as it is and accepting the challenge as something like, this is what I signed up for. This is what pushed my body to the limit and to not like succumb to this. Like, oh, it's so hot. Oh, this is so hard. I can't do it. But more like, thank you for this opportunity to shine. And I know, so what I've been doing basically is any of my training workouts, I've really been um, trying to tap into that mental positivity. And, um, and it's been fantastic. I mean, I feel like I haven't, you know, I have these incredible tools now um, at, my, at my fingertips that I can really channel on race day. And, and I think practicing that mental game is really, really important. I am mean, I'm thankful I've had the opportunity in training, to work on that mental game um, because it it is sort of a habit, right? The more that you frame your mind and channel um, that sort of positivity and adversity, the easier it's going to come when you're really fatigued. I'm really excited actually for the mental game that I'm going to be playing out there um, on race day. And I think that's probably my biggest goal. It's not a result. It's not a time, but it's the hope that I, when I, hit those times of significant adversity that I can channel them into that really positive space.
0: So practice, practice, practice. So when the moment where the chips are down or the wheels fall off or the shit hits the fan that you're going to have said, been there, done that. Let's just roll on through.
3: Yeah, exactly. And, and to, and to recognize that, um, you know, especially with my experience in Frankfurt where I'm racing in significant, like really, uncomfortable scenario and being able to recognize that that's one of my strengths is that I can be very mentally strong and mentally tough when the going gets tough that's actually where I shine
0: so let's take a step back and go to your happy place if uh, you have this nickname the purple tiger I see you're <laughs> yeah. smiling tell us the story about that
3: uh, when I was actually in high school I had I was a bit of a punk rocker um, I had my hair dyed in it was, like, shaved and kind of had tiger stripes in it. And um, I was living in Berlin at the time I finished high school in Berlin and was walking by this little kid on the subway platform, and he said to his mom, muti eine tante, which in English says, look, mom, it's a tiger lady. My girlfriend at the time, she thought this was hilarious, and so she started calling me Tiga Tante or tiger aunt or tiger auntie and it just kind of stuck as an as a name and for me like I've grown up with cats I love cats I love big cats Mm. I really feel like a significant fondness for cats I really like sort of cats but also um there's sort of quietness and like sort of solitude in a lot of ways and I feel like I identify a lot with that that like when I'm out there I'm really ferocious but at other times I'm I'm pretty quiet and sort of subdued, and uh, and so then with the purple, I kind of it's my favorite color. And when I started um, racing professionally, I had come from a place of like feeling like I had, uh, you know, when I had always been sort of a creative person and had my creative outlets either in dress or in hair or whatever when I was growing up, and then I went to a place of being in not so creative place and didn't feel like myself. So when I was able to sort of create my own brand again as, like, whoever I was as a professional athlete, I could put my hair in a mohawk again, and I could color my mm-hmm. hair, and I felt like myself again. And uh, and so I, you know, I think the first color that I dyed my hair was purple, and so it just kind of put together, and when I joined up with Wadi Ying, uh,
0: That's um, a natural progression or connection.
3: It's a no-brainer that um, Wadi and I should work together and so when I was able to, they were like, okay, what's your, what do you want to do for your first kit design? And I'm like, of course, we're going to do purple tiger. Of course. Yes. So, yeah, I love having the nickname and it's something that I really identify with on a lot of levels.
0: And of course, being a cat means that life is on your terms. What are you going to do mentally to, to stay focused and quiet? Because um, having never been there before, but I've read about it. I've heard stories from other athletes, talked to friends. And Kona, the week before a race, can be a pretty uh, crazy, uh, pretty busy, intimidating place. What are you going to do to, to kind of shut things down and just uh, to stay Rachel? Yeah.
3: You know, I just come from a meeting with my my number one helper here where we basically mapped out the week and mapped out exactly what we need to do on each day, where I need to be. I have a couple of interviews and press conferences, so, like, map those out and... And realizing we're not going to be doing any extra and, and planning in downtime, making sure that I'm as organized as possible. And, of course, I have a great support here who's able to help me out. And so and also, I've been here twice before to cheer and train on the course. And so I know the scenario. Like, I know all of the fun things that happen and the parties. And I've been there, done that. So I know that I'm not missing out on anything you know, by not going to all these fun parties and get togethers and things. It's like this time I'm here to focus, to do my own thing and to race. So it's a, it's, it's about um, like, I've come into it with a balance. Like I have the fun things that I'm doing and the, the, you know, I've made decisions to do a couple of things. So I'm not totally hermiting, but I'm definitely like being a lot more quiet than, uh, than I, I usually have been here. And I joke at that this is the first time that I'll be um, at the race not hungover on Saturday
2: morning.
0: We heard that you've got a, a fairly uh, ferocious reputation for the beer mile. Beated beer mile. And, and speaking of the beer mile, um, have you ever went head-to-head? Uh, the friend of ours in common who uh, set up this interview, Nathan Killam from Vancouver, is one of uh, British Columbia's faster uh, beer miles. Have you ever went head-to-head with Nathan?
3: Oh yeah, we um, we actually for a couple of years we organized uh, a Vancouver Beer Mile. So we we try every year to, to have our own beer mile. And he 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 smokes me. He's he's mm-hmm. way faster. He is an incredible runner
0: and an incredible beer drinker. Um, you were speaking earlier about balance, and I think uh, he may be forging the 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 righteous life as far as maintaining his status as you know the beer mile runner, the cyclocross guy, and you know a fairly good triathlete uh, and firefighter, right?
3: Absolutely, yeah. He is an incredible character. He's one of my best friends, and it's just one of the most, really one of the most incredible people that I, have ever met, the, like, what he balances in his life, and the positivity that he has, and the energy that he brings to everything he does, um, is just unbelievable, he's re- really incredible, and it's been awesome to see him sort of grow as an athlete, and, um, like, this season, he, he, has had some great results, a uh, podium at Wildflower, and... Uh,
0: Knocked and off Jeff is, Simons at the Great White North in Stony Plain.
3: Just some awesome results, and that's like, he's now has a kid as well, yeah. so he's a dad and a firefighter and a triathlete, and he's coaching, it's just... It's amazing. He's he, he puts all of us to shame
0: with what he accomplishes. And he's also, uh, as we heard, a, a fearless descender on the bike. So let's talk a little bit about the bike because that's one of your favorite things. In fact, one of our club members actually bought your was it your Diamondback? You had sold a Diamondback fairly oh, yeah. recently, Alan Fossum. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to Alan for buying that. But let's take you back to uh, British Columbia for a moment. And you've done oodles and oodles of training. What would be your favorite ride back home here in British Columbia?
3: That's that's a tough question because there's so many awesome rides. Um, I mean, truly, Lower Mainland Ride, for me, the top choices would be either the ride from Vancouver to Squamish and back is one of my favorites um, on the sea to sky or, um, of course the the mountains. So climbing Cypress or Seymour, that's why I live in Vancouver is to have access to those mountains. And I love, absolutely love training on those rides.
0: Any specific place that, uh, outside of British Columbia that gives you warm and fuzzies? You were down in Arizona.
3: Yeah, Arizona is great. Um, I really love training in San Diego. Um, there's some really fantastic rides in California or the Santa Monica mountains are there's incredible riding there. Yeah, I love Southern California actually. Tucson is awesome. It's uh it's quite hot all the time. Uh it's got some good climbs like Mount Lemon. Mount Lemon. lemon. Uh, even yeah. even
0: funner in a lightning storm so I found. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the one flash flood they get a year and, you know, send up the Canadian, uh it was an adventure. It's a beautiful Saturday afternoon. You finished your ride. Life is good after you have the healthy stuff. So a lot of people say, well, right after a hard ride, I'm going to have the protein shake with the quinoa and the flax oil. Let's let, okay. That's, that's in your body already. What is your second beverage of choice on a beautiful hot Saturday afternoon in the summer after a long bike ride?
3: And beverage of choice is probably going to be a nice tasty cold beer <laughs>
0: any any local breweries from vancouver you want to
3: yeah, tip um, the hat I'm, to I'm, I'm a big fan of postmark brewing um they're a local brewer in vancouver they've got a lot of really awesome stuff they did a um A sevens IPA that was uh, in honor of the Canadian sevens rugby team. Yeah, definitely Postmark is my go-to.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, speak with us at FitSpeak.
3: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been
0: great to chat. And we certainly hope that uh, the mental game is on. We're sure that that will come and the winds of the Hawaii Islands will blow in your
1: favor.
3: Thank you so much, Kevin.
1: That was Vancouver's Rachel McBride, also known as the Purple Tiger. She'll be representing Canada in the ladies' race at this year's Ironman World Championships in Hawaii. You can follow her on Instagram, and to get all the social media contact information, check out her website. It's simply called rachelmcbride.com. That's rachelmcbride.com. And as a side note, once you are on the site, make sure to check out her very cool limited edition t-shirts. And that's it for our mental edition of Fitspeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. Fitspeak is brought to you by Wenting Cycle and Mission. Your Wenting's word of the week is Tiger. Once again, your Wenting's word of the week, Tiger. We're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multisport. Whether your goals are iron, bronze, or gold, our low client-to-coach ratio ensures you get the one-on-one time you deserve to achieve your potential. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multisport. Be listening to us next time when Zach Neufeld will continue his series on learning from failure in between the ears. Kevin Watt is back with a future interview with long-distance cyclist Surrey's Megan Hackinen and we'll have the results from the Athletes in Kind 5 and 10K races out in Maple Ridge. For all of us at Fitzpeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.